Welcome queen to the body love binge with me Victoria. Although we're all unique, honestly I'm no different to you. I'm just a girl who's been through some hard shit, figured out how to thrive and made it her life's mission to help others to do the same. I've beaten anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder and I'm a domestic abuse survivor. My intention for this podcast is to empower you with weekly episodes on all things food freedom, body love and of course juicy, yummy self-love so you can embody the healthiest and happiest version of you. Enjoy the episode my love. Hi Queens to another episode. I have a special guest with me today. I have Emily Whistle with me and a little bit about Emily. So Emily knows what it's like to feel insecure and ashamed in her body. Because of her own story, Emily is passionate about supporting women through the path from disliking their bodies to loving their bodies. Because when you're not comfortable in your body, it affects everything, your confidence, career, relationships, etc. And Emily feels passionately about helping women to feel more empowered and at ease in their body. Emily is an embodiment coach, a certified rolfer and art of feminine presence teacher. We go in to what a rolfer is during the episode. She she graduated from the University of Kansas with a bachelor's degree in exercise science. Emily lives in Boulder, Colorado. In her free time, she likes to be in nature, whether that's hiking on the trails or camping, leisure trail running, skiing or reading a book in the sun. She spends most of her time with her sweet dog, Tula Rose. She enjoys spending time with her family who live nearby. She's the youngest of seven and currently has 10 nieces and nephews. So we just had the most incredible conversation. I always record my intros after we've had the conversation so I can just let you know what to expect. There's no um, trigger warnings that I can remember that I need to warn you about, but it's a really deep in-depth conversation we had around how trauma is stored in the body, how to release that trauma, how mindset is a great tool, but it's not everything. It's almost like you're skipping the embodiment and the releasing part, which is very key to healing. We talk about how healing isn't linear, but it's not supposed to be linear. It just shows you that there's more things to be healed as you go through your journey. And honestly, we talk so much about how to love the body you're in, some practical, tangible tips and action steps that you can do to help you to feel better and more loving in your body and so much more. So enjoy the episode. Emily, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Victoria. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I cannot wait to get into this conversation. As usual, we've just had a five minute chat before we press record and we were like, yeah, we should have probably recorded the last few minutes of that. So this is going to be packed full of juice, but let's start with 10 quick fire questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number one, your favorite food. Oh, my favorite food. Well, the first visual that came to my head was ice cream, which I don't know that's my favorite food, but I guess that's intuitively. <laughs> Today it is. Today it is. Yes. <laughs> Number two, the most ridiculous diet you've ever been on. Oh, wow. Um, probably in high school using like hydroxy cut and like mm-hmm. really restricting calories and running and 
thinking like that was what I needed. That was like power woman, right? Like was like, oh yeah, hydroxy cut. I have energy. I don't have an appetite. Like this is awesome. So, so not all of them. So bad. So bad. So many levels. So many levels. All right. Number three, weights or cardio? I like strength training. I like cardio too. Well, because then I, I do have a Peloton. I like to run. So, oof. I can't ch- probably mm, weights, strength. Yeah. You could turn that into like a circuit cardio type thing. Yeah. I'm like, can I have both? <laughs> you can have whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Weights right. and cardio. Okay. Number four, what's the f- most favorite part of your day in general? Like your kind of daily days? I love my mornings. I'm, I'm a morning person. So I love to, I usually wake up earlier than I would ne- would necessarily need to because I like to have quiet time. And that's when I, I'm in, it's early here at 7am here in Colorado. And um, I woke up a couple hours before this with the intention of having an hour where I get to sit in my practice and I run different centers and I get to sit my coffee in the, in the, in the winter months. I, my, I have a little dog who I'm, she's my life. I love her and she sleeps in. And so I love in the winter months, I'll bring my coffee into bed and listen to a guided meditation before I do my seated one, which just feels so good to me. So I love my mornings. Mm, I love that. And it leads me on to the next question, which number five is what's your morning routine if you have one? Yeah. So typically, uh, I don't know, let's say like what happens pretty much every morning is I before I go to bed, I put my phone on airplane mode at some point. And so similarly in the morning, I don't take it off of airplane mode until I've done certain things. Mm -hmm. So usually what my morning involves is I wake up, I go downstairs and I make coffee. And while the water's heating up, I fiddle around, you know, do a little kitchen cleanup or whatever, you know, is, is around, which also kind of wakes me up. It's nice to kind of move a little bit. And then I go back upstairs into my room and I'll either sit straight at, I have an altar space, um, or like I mentioned in the winter months, especially when I'm feeling chillier, it's dark. It's nice for me to cozy up in, in bed with my pup Tula. Um, and then I listen, if, if I do that, I listen to a guided Abraham Hicks meditation. Mm-hmm. And usually when I'm downstairs making my coffee, I have the, just Abraham Hicks, just playing, just listening. Um, but so when I, my seated practice is I run just different energetic centers. I do a clearing first. I like Palo Santo because I love the smell and I love that it feels like it's clearing. And um, I light a specific candle and then I won't go into exactly every center that I do. But for me, the intention of the practice is it really helps ground me. It helps me connect with my body. It's a chance for me to connect with myself before I've connected externally with another person or with the world or with my phone and messages um, to really help me get centered. And mm-hmm. I usually, if I'm going to work out or move, do so in the morning. Um, yeah. And so that is often will happen after. But sometimes there's a little space in between where I might do a little bit of my work, you know, on the computer and check in for an hour and eat a banana or, you know, a little bit of food before doing that. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Really like relaxing and grounding and hmm, that's what the vibe I'm getting. It is. It is. It helps me then throughout the day when like yesterday I had a great day and it was Sunday and I was going to meet family for a birthday party and I just noticed I was getting gas and it was, you know, going slower than it should have. And I was cussing and I was agitated. And and I just took this moment to laugh at myself, kind of like you were sharing before we, you know, came on of like, sometimes you just have to use humor. And 
more laughing myself. I'm like, what is my deal? Like, just take some deep breaths. Like I'm not wrong for, you know, being agitated or annoyed, but also like everything's good. And when I've done that practice in the morning, this is what I came back to yesterday and that experience of it's easier for me to reaccess those feelings, that peacefulness, that contentment or that calmness or whatever it may be that I cultivated or connected to. And then it's easier throughout the day to find that again mm, I love that and before I go on to the next question because I don't want to forget because it's a yeah. general question that I want to ask you you know you listen to Abraham Hicks which is mm-hmm. he she the identity that comes through Esther and Jerry is incredible have you either read or listened to the book Seth Speaks I have not I have heard of it and mm. now I'm like so curious I'm like oh I should listen Huh. That's super good as well. That's okay. really good. So anyone who is listening who is woo-woo, which most of my listeners are, but some aren't, and that's completely fine. We invite you to read or listen to Ask and It Is Given because Abraham Hicks has like tons of amazing books. And also Seth Speaks. It's so good. Cool. Thanks for that, Victoria. Yeah. Let's check that out. Yeah. Of course. Okay. This I can't wait to hear what you say for this one. Number six, three words to describe your body. Oh, this is good. Uh, my body is my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, my body's, she's sexy and she's really like, oh, wow, it's hard to do it in three words. Fine. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to give you five words, boom, 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 and pretend that that's one because I said them quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. We can go with that. Uh, she's, she's, I'll, I'll do three. She's my, she's my best friend. She's sexy and she's really like, I feel she's, like this loving, understanding, non-judgmental presence. Mm. So that is more than one word, but those are three. Yeah. I'm glad you use more than three words because that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for asking me that. Okay. Number seven, something you love that others may consider strange. So maybe something you do or something you just like that others might be like, that's weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah, probably the amount that I do love, like different spirituality practices and self-care I'm one of my girlfriends I remember early in our friendship we've been friends for years now she shared with me she's like I've never met anybody who loves to luxuriate as much as you do so I loved taking time you know slathering stuff on my skin or exfoliating or hot springs or spa like I can just more and more and more what also came to mind as far as like it's a food but it's the first thing I'm like people probably that might sound weird but it's like an easy quick go-to that I really love if I you know I'm home and I don't have food prepared um is I put seaweed in a bowl put balsamic vinegar over it and then put tuna on it and crush it all up and eat it sometimes a little olive oil um I've had people like that's weird that's strange but that's like something that I actually really love and it always I appreciate it because I'm like oh this is such a quick nourishing meal that's tasty to me but it might seem really strange to other people I love seaweed. I'm guessing because I'm thinking of two different types of seaweed. The yeah. Chinese crispy fried seaweed, which I'm guessing you're not talking about, or the seaweed that's like slimy. The snacks, like the, no, the little like, it's like the oh, dry, like, it, you know, yeah, the crispy, like it comes in a little package and they're little rectangles and yeah, but the yeah, the balsamic helps soften it a little. Ah, interesting, because I love the, <laughs> we have like butter bowls around here and I always have, yes. I always have extra seaweed and it's like slimy and it sounds horrible, but it's so good. And it's like, yeah, yeah like there's a bite to it. Like this podcast obviously isn't about seaweed, but just want to share like seaweed is awesome and it's so good for you as well. <laughs> yeah, 
that. So that's our seaweed plug. Exactly. We have no sponsors or connections to any seaweed anywhere. Eat it, it's good for you. All right. Number eight, if you could be an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would love, I've ever since I was a little girl, I like to be a jaguar. Um, I just think I love the way they move, the way their body looks when they move. They can be stealthy. They're fast. They're beautiful. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. I can see you being a Jaguar. If anyone wants to see Emily and you're listening to the podcast right now, head over to my YouTube because here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Number nine. Three things you would take to a desert island. I want to say my dog, but now I wouldn't because she'd be oh, too hot. Yeah. <laughs> so I won't bring her. Uh, water. Uh, is water included already? or? I guess not because it would probably be seawater. But then yeah. if you were very adventurous. I'd bring a, I'd bring a filter. I'd bring a, I'd bring a filter or something. Oh. You can't really filter seawater, can you? Okay, I'd bring water. <laughs> Um, I'd probably bring like tea tree oil. That seems like a smart thing to have on hand. Um, and some SPF. Yeah, smart. Smart. I guess those are my three things. <laughs> That's a really hard question. Later, I'm going to yeah. be thinking about this later today and be like, nope, I would bring, <laughs> I would bring my sun hat. And, I would say toothbrush and toothpaste, but I just have a weird thing. Like I, I hate my mouth tasting I use the tea tree oil for that. Yeah. Ah, Smart, smart, smart. Okay. And last question, number 10. What would you love people to take away from this podcast? Obviously, we're going to go deep and we're going to get all juicy. But in terms of what you'd want them to walk away with before we get into it, what would it be? Yeah, it's a great question to ask, especially at the beginning. Um, I mean, I'm not sure where all will go, but really, I think my intention and one of my biggest things in the world and what I want to contribute to is that, that listeners would get a take away a sense of a newfound sense of being really gentle with themselves, a newfound sense of the way they look, feel, and think about themselves from a, from a lens instead of being one of trying to fix or feeling harsh um, or looking, you know, that lens that's so easy to look at what's wrong and instead having a larger, more like of a horizon viewpoint of acceptance and gentleness. And I think it's, I think gentleness is such an important thing, especially in this conversation around body and body image and food and self-love of, you know, it's, it's not so easy. You can't just snap your fingers and accept yourself. And if it was that easy, we'd all, you know, do that. And, you know, and I think that it can be frustrating I've found for especially clients of mine and myself I felt this in the past of just accept yourself you know just accept just love yourself and it's like I I would if if I could (laughs) but easy and I have found having that lens that approach of just being gentle and being a little Mm -hmm. softer and so when you your harsh critic maybe comes up or when you notice you maybe want to take you know, maybe do a diet or actions that maybe don't really serve you, you can take, it allows some space to take a step back. And instead of going to judgment or, oh, here I am again in this pattern, or here is this happening of a softer of being like, okay, okay. If I'm being gentle with myself, how interesting that I'm going into, you know, maybe a pattern of compulsive overeating or, binge watching TV in a way that like doesn't really feel enjoyable or whatever it may be, whatever maybe numbing or coping strategy 
the truth is when we're in that pattern, usually it's because we need to Mm self-soothe. And I think the last thing we need to be in that space is harsh on ourselves or critical, but it's easy Mm -hmm. to be that. And so instead of being like, oh, I'm clearly needing to self-soothe. Okay. Like, what is it that I'm needing to soothe? Or what is it that it's hard for me to feel or hard for me to notice right now? And Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if, if listeners would just take even that little step of like, how could I be a little bit more gentle with myself today? Uh, I find that it's, it's really quite profound of, of mm-hmm. how that can, int- you know, shift how you interact with yourself, how you interact with others. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. What helped me on my journey, and I know we're going to go into your journey in depth was to have like a f- actual photo of the younger me the younger bit that the the actual me but maybe around six years old and then when I was feeling that like oh you must try harder you're such a failure I would look at that photo and be like actually she's me and how could I speak like that to her so that helped me bring kindness and a more soft kind of the way I talk to myself just by simply looking at a photo of my younger self I love that. That's such a beautiful healing practice. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Just looking at a picture of our, yeah, of how that can help shift that even a little bit, make it a little easier to be kinder and gentler. Yeah. Yeah. So Emily, how did you end up where you are now doing what you do now, helping all these women? Yeah. So like, where do I start? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say the, this mostly streamlined story of how I've ended up where I am is because of my own personal story and struggle with, for me, honestly, hating my body was my loudest story from like age eight, you know, on into my, into my upper twenties. Um, and because that like disdain for my own skin, the way my body looked was so strong. I, I never really felt like I belonged. I never really felt enough. And I also dived really deep into the study of like the human body. So learning, I have a degree in exercise science. So I learned very much like more, you know, like anatomy and physiology. And I had this underlying thought that I never shared with anyone, you know, at the time, but I had this belief of like, okay, if I just like learn more about the body, if I'm going to go into physical therapy and work body, then that's going to be my trick. If I can just understand physiology, if I can just understand anatomy, I'm going to trick myself into being thin. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it wasn't about actually like loving my, my body. It was actually then about, I'm going to be thin. Mm-hmm. That was like the, my, like once I'm thin, you know, or, or fit or like the, the, the appropriate ideal size that I believe that society thinks I should look like, that's even better to way to clarify it. Like then, like that was my motivation. And so I went into that field of study that led me into um, discovering the fascia of the body, which if um, people are unfamiliar, a very, I won't go deep into it, but I do believe it's really important to know about um, because it's, so, so to, to say it briefly, I think of it as our soft tissue skeleton. So if you were to take away everything on the body and left just the fascia, you would have this kind of fibrous kind of spider web like matrix that very much looks like you and resembles you and that's the fascia it has both elastic and fibrous properties i personally believe our emotions our old stories our old patterns are all stored within the fascia so mm-hmm. when we're talking about self love and loving our bodies and ourselves i actually I, a piece that i bring into my work is is 
work with the fascia and soft tissue release. Uh, and there, there's so much more to that, but I think it's really important to, if we can actually create more physical space and our tissue, it is easier for our emotions to roll through. It is easier for us to release some outdated stories and beliefs. Um, and so that's what led me into my work. I work as a, a rolfer, a certified rolfer. The work is also called structural integration. So that's actual hands-on manual therapy. I have a private practice in Boulder, Colorado doing that. With that, um, I always knew that would be my foundation of my work. And I was, you know, around this time, you know, my stories also, personal stories starting to shift little by little as I'm getting deeper into learning what is it like to actually be embodied? What is it like to inhabit my body? What is it like to bring my breath into my low back for my first time in years? Um, which is an experience I never even realized. I was never breathing into my low back because my whole life I was sucking my stomach in because yeah. I believed as a young female, I shouldn't have a stomach, <laughs> right? I should be flat. It should be skinny. So I'm going to suck it in. I'm going to suck it in. And when we suck it in, we contract our diaphragm's ability to breathe. We create constriction and tightness in the low back. Um, and that was a pivotal moment. It was actually, I was receiving some uh, work um, more in an energetic context of bringing breath into low back where I had a huge emotional release and just this newfound sense of realizing my whole way of posturing my body, my life was me trying to present or pretend to the world this way of being that was completely incongruent with how I felt. I was trying to be like, okay, I'm put together. I'm happy. I, you know, I've always been a high achiever. I'm trying to suck my stomach in. So I look a couple inches smaller. So because if people see my true stomach or if, if they actually see how I feel, then, then my, my internal belief was then I'm, they're not going to want to, you know, be my friend or they're not going to accept me. And so through many years, you know, if, and you can stop me or at the end, if there's questions, if I'm not being super clear of the linear journey, but I'm trying to be with, yeah. Um, receiving, you know, coaching of going through, I did a year long feminine leadership mastery program. So I'm a teacher of a form of work called the art of feminine presence, which is really truly like embodiment work of learning different energetic centers of learning. How do you actually connect with your feminine essence? What does that mean? What does it feel like? Which is very different for every single person who identifies as female. And so, um, yeah, my Rolfing work, I still have my private practice. I'll always do that and love that. It is primarily focused on working with females. Um, but over the last, I think about five years, I've also shifted to doing small group work with women, which started out in person. Um, and then that morphed where I've started to, from my Rolfing world, and from the art of feminine presence world, kind of shifting and adding flavor and kind of creating my own practices and programs that bring some of the anatomy, that bring some of these, you know, learning about our physical body with these energetic centers as well. Um, and more, you know, some of the coaching, like limiting belief, but mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's really like, it's all kind of um, shifted and evolved organically yet with intention, which I'm sure you understand, you understand that Victoria, yeah. um, from my own story, from my own journey, but it's, I feel so passionate about, it cause I know, you know, as I shared earlier, like I hating my body was my loudest story and it's 
not anymore. It's not been the last few years um, at all. And I know how good it feels and how much more freedom I have now when I am in a place where feeling my body is my ally, where my body is my friend, where we get to be in communication and relationship with each other instead of this fight, this push-pull, instead of me thinking as I'm moving through my day, oh, does my stomach look big? Or, oh, I better not eat this extra 100 calories or blah, 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 whatever it may be, which the truth is, and I believe it, that really, that mindset really limits us and keeps us stuck. I think it keeps us small, particularly as women. It keeps us from really, like, going out for what we want, the belief that our bodies are wrong or bad, that we need to fix them first. And it's just, it, it's an energy drain. It's an energy drain. And so I'll kind of pause there. That was a lot. And I, yeah, if there's like specific questions along the journey of what led me, yeah, to, cause I've now, yeah, the, the work I'm doing. Well, first of all, wow. Like I am so, cause I don't know all any of that. And I'm because I didn't know what a Rolf was and I was looking forward to finding out what it was. And I've done a lot of research around trauma stored in the body. So I love yeah. that you brought that up. So yeah. I have a few questions around that. Thank you for sharing, by the way, which is what I wanted to say first. Oh, I love that you've been through your own journey, which is what most of us transformational coaches have. We've been on our own journey. This isn't to state coaches that do just coach from a textbook or a certification only but there's a difference and a depth you can go when you've been there yeah. personally and a short little funny story I became a certified nutrition coach because I thought it was going to quote fix me yeah. <laughs> I was like if I just become certified in nutrition then I can like learn everything I need to learn then like lose weight easily forever Yes. That didn't happen. Um, uh, no, how interesting that I'm sure so many of us have that story of, oh, we'll just do this certification, this training, this is going to fix me forever, yeah. right? Yes. It's so funny. But okay, I would love to go into the trauma is stored in the body because yeah. I don't think this is talked about enough. And throughout my personal development journey, mindset is very powerful. Mm -hmm. However, there was a point last year or so where I felt like there was something missing. I could mindset myself through everything because I'm very strong that way. But there was there was something missing this connection. And so what I see in my clients and what I saw in myself was, you know how we're all preaching like our thoughts create our reality, which I believe they do because thoughts create emotion. Therefore, we attract what we how we feel. But in terms of the trauma being stored in the body and they say if you're getting dressed in front of the mirror, the feeling and the thoughts are so automatic because you've been thinking these hateful thoughts about your body like forever because you've been conditioned that way. Yeah. I believe that is stored in the body and it continues in its own feedback loop. So can you just speak to that? Like how is trauma stored in the body? And then what does it mean when like triggers come up and then how can we like embody that and then use the mindset to help us move forward through that? Yes, I'm going to do my best. Um, and I'm going to speak from that specific example I gave earlier, mm -hmm. um, cause I think it'll help give it a little framework. And so yes. my example of sucking in my stomach is more of, you know, what we might think of as like, it's actually me doing it to myself, but maybe like a minor T trauma. It's not like an external event or here's, here's one that actually comes to mind of even thinking of you're, you're driving mm -hmm. and somebody pulls out in front of you. And your whole, you know, you're, you're like, ah, you know, you, you might cuss, your, your body might get rigid. 
Um, and then you just go on about your day. That's a, you know, that's a minor, that's a minor T trauma, you know, trauma and, um, but that we might not think about is like, okay, it's just a blip. We're going on about our day. The truth is that even from a subtle level, that's, I mean, that is activating our nervous system that is enhancing tension, that kind of armor posturing up that tension isn't actually rolling through the body then, right? Then we're still in traffic. We're still driving. We're going to our next meeting. Maybe we're running late. These are all adding, adding, like compiling on each other. Our nervous system is, I think it was like the brain of the body. Our nervous system is wired through our body. You, when you think of somebody, if you have pain, more specifically chronic pain, meaning chronic pain, meaning you're out of, if it's like an elbow pain or a knee pain, if there was a specific injury, you're out of the injuring healing time of that tissue mm. and you're more in that loop pattern and, and pain is just one output. Um, so we can apply this to a lot of things, but it's also, I think, a helpful one to start with when we're talking about trauma being stored in the body, which is such a big topic. And I love that we're talking about it. So I'm going to, again, try and do my best in a short time period to touch on it. And our, so what's happening is the, the say, say, for example, I'll just like show my elbow, like if it's elbow pain. The nerves that are wiring that elbow, that muscle, that area are going to decide what message to send to my brain. Mm -hmm. So it's going to send danger. The brain is then from all of what's happening in it from previous life traumas from we think of like a, if you talk, talk about a biopsychosocial model, mm -hmm. bio being biology, psycho being psychology, so um the social being sociology. So thinking of what is, where is your current like mental well-being in your life? Sociologically, like how are your relationships? How is your career? How is your work life? Your satisfaction there? Those are all impounding factors that are going to decide what message is being sent. Mm. What response is happening? Is it pain? Is it anxiety? Is it, and, and so so I'll pause there. And um, so all of that it, to say, um, it, yeah, is. Is like, it like you yeah. said, there's so many layers to it. And it's like, I love how you just mentioned those three points, because like a body image trigger, for example, yeah. and I've experienced this and my clients experienced this. Isn't it interesting how your body doesn't really change like day to day, unless you're obviously doing something completely different with your diet. I mean, a binge, yes, is, is can change your body physically in a day. But in general, one day we can look in the mirror and just be neutral. Yes. The next day we can be like, I hate my body and I hate my life. The next day we feel like Beyonce. Obviously hormones come into play. But yeah. isn't it interesting that you mentioned um, the social part, what's going on in your world? How happy are you in general? Because mm -hmm. emotional eating and poor body image is really linked to not being happy in your life with relationships, with your job. And it's so easy. And we've been conditioned to do so to just blame our bodies, yeah. try to change our bodies through quote dieting and dieting only works short term and therefore it doesn't work long term because it actually relieves some anxiety because we think we're doing something to try and control something to change something and yeah. our bodies are so easy to turn against and kind of try and control yes so yes there's many layers to this and I, I have a ton of questions for you so we'll yeah we'll that bit there I but, may, I, yeah unless you have a question I might one thing to kind of 
bring that, that, yeah, I think it's really good. And what you said, like we, we have our mindset, we try to want to go into control our body. Mm. Even that example you gave, which is so beautiful, right? One day we can feel like beyond saying our body feel amazing. And the next day it's like, oh, we feel terrible about ourselves. We think we look like pudgy or whatever. Maybe it's like our body exact didn't change that much. What's different. Mm-hmm. I think a great thing for listeners to start bringing this idea of trauma in the body or memory in the body or emotion stored in the body is maybe that day, both days, not just the days you're feeling crummy, but both days, but maybe specifically the crummy day. If you have a little bit more resource, take five minutes, set a timer on your phone, put it on, do not disturb, invite your breath into your body, invite your breath into your tissue and notice, is there an area where I'm the, the area, maybe I'm feeling pudgy or constricted or pain or whatever it may be. If you're just like no, bringing your breath into it and getting curious, where are those parts? Mm-hmm. And would it feel good to lay that part of your body on a pillow? Would it feel good to rest back in some restorative pose? Mm-hmm. Also with, you know, if it's appropriate area, meaning like maybe, you know, your spine or your back or your stomach, like to do a little bit of self tissue release, gentle, gentle. I think often we think of self tissue release, like foam rolling, lacrosse mm-hmm. balls. And personally, I'm not a huge fan um, of, of that. I am a fan of foam rolling, but the, the so, there's soft density foam rollers. So not these firm ones that everyone thinks it's like, oh, it's so painful. Um, the idea is that we actually want to allow our bodies to melt. We're not trying to force and you know get our body just like the control in a diet into some shape. Instead, it's how can we allow our body to melt, allow our nervous system to feel safe, mm-hmm. which is essential to then be curious of what, what is that about? That gives a little more opportunity to, to see from an objective and not like a fixed mind of, oh, where, oh, I was triggered earlier today when somebody said this, that, that triggered that old wound in me when I felt this way or when this was happening in my life, or yeah, I am unhappy in this relationship or whatever it may be. And also starting to invite your body to bring your body on board to, bring more of that curiosity, mental conversation. Cause again, when you were saying earlier, you know, Victoria about like, you know, just mindset and you can be really positive and affirmations, which is so essential. I also really believe affirmations fall flat if we don't bring our body on board. And it can be as simple as putting yourself again in a really glorious restorative posture or, you know, rolling out some tissue that's been tightened or condensed that in a way that feels good to you, that that more that that feels good, that's going to light up more of that positive emotion in you to make it a little easier to say your affirmations, not only easier, but like we want to believe those affirmations and anchor them into the body. And so similarly with the trauma or the body image, if you're that, that triggered space of where could you create a little bit more space in your body in a way that feels good, that feels invites in more pleasure, not in a way to change or fix or more for, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, like my best friend, Rebecca, gave me a great analogy in terms of like, positive affirmations and mindset shifts which again are essential however if you imagine like a living room and you've got your sofas and your chairs and your tv and then you order new sofas new chairs and tv and then you have them delivered and then the delivery men are like trying to put them in your living room and you've already got all your old stuff in there it's not going to fit so you need to first let go clear out release move the old stuff in order to then bring the new stuff in so I believe that mindset work is essential but first and foremost it's the acknowledgement the awareness the feeling the letting go the release like all that releasing work to then bring in the 
the positive shifts. And of course, there's so many layers to this. And this is why you and I do what we do. We, Of course, yeah. we cannot cover this in an hour podcast. And I've got tons of questions for you anyway. But but even bringing that release into the body, you know, mm-hmm. so not only releasing those beliefs, but like literally like letting your physical body have a release. Yeah. Letting your tissue release some also makes it easier to open up mentally. Yeah. yeah. Like dancing is my go-to. It never used yes. to be. Oh, awesome. Like I shake and yeah. like, depending on how I'm feeling. And then sometimes I'm so happy and I'm dancing. Then one song will come on Surrender by Natalie. I can't think of her surname. And then I just cry, but I'm not sad. I'm not happy. I'm just, there's obviously emotions to be released. And I just cry. Yeah. And it just feels fucking amazing. <laughs> That's so it's so good to have a song that just makes you cry too. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Yeah. It does feel so I really and I believe tears are resistance leaving the body. I mm. really believe that. So it's creating that resistance is leaving, creating more space for something else to come in, mm. for another possibility to come in. That's beautiful. Yeah. Emily, how could someone go? And I know, again, there's so many layers to all of this, but how can someone go? So let's say we've got a listener who's like, okay everything what you're saying is like really interesting but the moment I literally look in the mirror I hate my body I can't I'm just in the mindset as you used to be of you just hating your body's appearance how can they maybe start to shift that to ultimately reach body love yeah I'll just start with like the first step that comes to my mind in that story would be uh, because there are so many there are and there are also so many first steps that you could go in perspectives but what first came to me right now in this moment was taking, you know, a day, a night, if you're noticing you're in that place where you were looking in the mirror and you really hate yourself, you really hate your body, like you're just not happy with it and bring yourself into a room, you know, by yourself, soft, warm lighting, you know, kind of like Mm -hmm. on the dimmer side, have a really, have it feel warm in the room and bring your favorite like oil or lotion, whatever it may be that you, you know, use for your like skin moisturizing and maybe even like, you know, put that in your hand and warm it up and just, you know, slowly maybe set a 10 minute timer. It doesn't need to be this long experience, um, but just start with 10 minutes and just slowly, you know, rub it all over your body. There is, if um, anyone's familiar with Ayurveda, and Ayurveda, which is like, um, I won't go into that, but anyway, it's an Indian tradition, uh, it's uh, medicine. And um, they have a practice called Abhyanga. So you can do self Abhyanga, which is a specific kind of massage. And so if you're to give, I think it's helpful to, to sometimes have a little bit more framework when we're in a place of hating our body before just like, oh, just do what feels good. That can feel mm-hmm. a little too open-ended. So mm-hmm. when you're around a joint, like for example, your ankle or your knee, you're going to massage in a circular motion. When you're over like a, a bone, you're going to go more in like a linear up and down. And just doing that through your entire body for 10 minutes. If you have a little bit longer time, I would invite you at the end of that to those places of your body that you have maybe more hate or disdain or dislike Mm -hmm. for to rub them longer or maybe just place your hands on them and notice if you know, just noticing what comes up. Okay. First, it's a thought of like, oh, this is so wrong or, oh, this this pudge is so big or oh, the cellulite or it's too thin or whatever the thought is seeing if you could let that go and know like 
starting to invite in different thoughts associated with that body part. So maybe instead you're getting really clear of what is the texture of your skin feel like there? Is there, is there a part of it that maybe you could like, or maybe you could feel a little neutral about, mm-hmm. um, if that feels too far fetched for where you personally are, then go to a neutral body part. You know, maybe it is your knee or maybe it is your elbow and bring some love and care to that place. Um, for some of us, when we are so in that strong in that hate loop or disdain loop that it is too much to go to those places. It brings up too much emotion. It brings up too much feeling or trauma that maybe we don't have the support or the resource currently to, to, to be with. And so going to a body part that feels more neutral can be helpful as well to send some positive energy, to send some positive thoughts. But I think that would be a beautiful place to just start to not expecting anything to just, you know, snap your fingers and change, but instead just giving yourself starting to shift the story a little bit where you're not so externally focused, just looking in the mirror and looking at what's wrong or looking at comparison of what other people are. Instead, you're in your, you're in your room, you're in a quiet place, your phone's on do not disturb, maybe your phone's not even in there and dim lighting you're not like looking I I think mirror practices are actually really powerful but this particular Mm -hmm. one you're not looking in the mirror and instead you're just you could even have your eyes closed if you wanted you're just contacting your skin and so it's starting to invite in an opportunity to develop a little bit different relationship with your skin with these body parts to start Mm -hmm. to shift the narrative just 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 nudging it just slowing down that resistance of the hate yeah. yeah that's so powerful and it co- it reminds me of a quote that I heard like four or five years ago now and I was kind of I didn't like it when I heard it but then when I ruminated on it and then of course my whole business and what I teach is kind of based on this philosophy and that is you don't have to love the way your body looks mm-hmm. in order to love your body and I was like hmm let me just like sit with that because I have so much resistance to that. What yeah. does that mean? And in terms of what you've just so beautifully shared, I will share something like quite personal. And, and I know I'm very blessed that I have a partner that I trust that helps me to work through these things. But in terms of my body image and how I saw myself, when I struggled to love parts of me, my partner helps me with that. Meaning if I saw him and this is an external thing, but this helped me. If I saw him love those parts of my body, it kind of almost gave me a um, like permission to do the same. So he would touch my tummy, which I didn't like at one point because I used to have abs for so long. And then it, now I have like a little cute little pouch that I actually think is so cute now. Like yeah. he would touch that and massage that and I would feel so tense and uncomfortable and rigid but I would just relax into it and then and I trusted him fully and so if you do trust your partner and this can be such a great thing for your relationship as well it can deepen everything the trust of vulnerability that can be very healing if you trust a partner to help you because you don't have to do this alone but as you it starts with you doesn't it Emily it starts with it does but I love that's a great I love that offering, Victoria. That's a beautiful Mm -hmm. practice. Yeah, if you have a partner that inviting them into them, if you can trust them and feel really safe with them because that in itself, I mean, touch is so healing and itself Mm -hmm. can really help the nervous system feel a lot safer. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, I am blessed to have a have a partner like that. But you know, I manifested him and he manifested me. And we've done all the work together and it's not been easy, but it's it's so possible. So I love what you shared about that. And I can just imagine it so vividly. And what a beautiful loving practice to do for your body for your body it's not something you're doing to your body it's not something you feel like you should do it's being with your body and just showing her some love and some touch and all the things that's beautiful yeah thank you I want to read a quote from one of your Instagram posts and I wonder if you could speak to that um so you said our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it's our light not our darkness that frightens us most can you speak to that because this is so key and I believe it also yeah so I will clarify that's Marianne Williamson I hope I put okay. that on that post <laughs> like if I didn't I'm like oof, I gotta go you back probably and, did but I okay, just saw okay, that good. and was like yes oh, yeah 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 so that is Marianne Williamson not me but I love that quote I love that quote and I often teach from that quote and coach because I think that what I found yeah is is the fear is often is that not that we're wrong or bad but that if we shine so bright or if we really love ourselves that will be judged for that or will be made like that that is it's scary to really step into our light to really step mm-hmm. into it can feel that way and because when you are stepping into your light when you're stepping into your power and there are practices that can support you and really like tangibly actually feeling that um but you literally are more seen mm. and you're more visible and for parts of us that are less integrated, that are feel less resourced, um, for parts of us, you know, I think of like the, you sharing the story of you looking, you know, six year old Victoria, and you know, like our our little girl selves that maybe still feel lonely or not cared for, or whatever the the story or situation was. It can feel really scary to be seen, to really step into that, and mm-hmm. so I actually was having a conversation with a client um, just yesterday not yesterday, yesterday was the weekend, Friday, um, around, you know, her body has recently been put on, put on some, some more weight, which isn't wrong. It is actually, we were actually sharing like how smart and resourced it was for her body. Won't go into that, but when she finally lost the weight, which a few years ago, which was her life goal, and she thought she'd be happy, she shared how exposed she felt, how raw she felt, um, mm-hmm. how vulnerable she felt. And here I'm talking from light to weight and I'm not, um, I don't want to make the, uh, I want to be careful here because I don't want to make the comparison of readers thinking, oh, well, when I lose weight, Mm -hmm. then I'm in my light because that's also not true. You can be, it doesn't matter what size you are. And I I mean that truthfully, you can really be in your light. I'm just using that more as an example for her. It was a way of, she actually like was more seen exposed and there was a, there was a lot other healing that needed to happen and is, is currently she's going through to, to really years of releasing a lot of shame actually um, to help her feel more safe, to, to be seen and being seen the size she currently is, the size she was before, that's a little arbitrary. It was just more information that was telling for her. But so I think that what we're really, many of us can be really afraid of is how powerful we really are. Um, because of maybe how we were raised and what we were told of maybe our emotions being told were too much or you're a crybaby or just go figure it out or that you need to be all put together. And, um, 
I think that it's really that light, that power that when we can release some of the shame, when we can release some of the old limiting beliefs, some of the old story that allows that to be seen more. It's actually like this push pull dance of we want to be seen, but we don't want to be seen. We want to be seen. We don't want to be seen. Um, yeah. yeah. Fear of judgment. Like I remember so vividly yes. when I was a teenager growing up, like the teenagers that I was hung around with would say things like, oh my God, she just loves herself. And then of course, unconsciously, it's like, well, you can't love yourself because then you're going to get judged and ridiculed. And isn't it interesting? Because now I'm like, yes, I love myself and I want yeah. you to love yourself too. Yeah. There's a difference between arrogance and yes. just the quiet, but very powerful inner glow of like, I love, trust and respect myself. And so therefore I not command others because it's not a commanding energy others just automatically feel that way towards you too because you feel it for yourself yes yes you're not projecting it you're integrated I think of it like you even you saying that for me the visual it came for you Victoria I'm like you're the lighthouse you're inviting that light in and yeah the truth is yeah people are going to others are going to judge us no matter what, if you love yourself, if you're bold and bright, or if you're like shrinking and small, you know, they're going to be either say like, oh, who does she think she is? She's too big for her britches. Or they might say like, oh, why is she like always, you know, shrinking around? Or why is she being so quiet? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we, we don't have the, and not only do we not have the power to control other people's thoughts or perceptions, but it's, it's futile. It doesn't, it, ultimately it's, it's how, the, yeah, how do we feel and what's happening for us and not needing to project. And even earlier when I was giving that example of how I was, I noticed when I brought my breath, my low back, my whole life, I was posturing. And for me, mm-hmm. that was, I was projecting out this way of being that wasn't actually how I felt. And I think that comes across actually maybe as arrogant or standoffish or um, versus often, you know, maybe we want to actually come across as like friendly or professional. Um, but when it's not really landed, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way to others. Yeah, that is yeah. so interesting because especially how you were talking about breathing into your belly, because as I was the same as you for my whole life, I've like breathed, held it in because of course, we just want a flat stomach because of all the reasons why and all the societal like praise we get from from doing that and it's only in the past year or so I would say that I've really been comfortable with my stomach being whatever it is and sometimes I'll notice a judgment of like oh especially towards my bleed like of course I I personally blow up a lot and I notice a judgment like wow that's that's quite a sticking out quite a lot but then it's like well it's okay it's my stomach and I think so often we worry what other people think about us they're going to judge us the same way that we judge ourselves and that's not true it may be true for some people it may not be but either way we're not going to know and I just literally decided I saw a quote and it really resonated with me and it says something like you can either worry about the cellulite on your legs or live your life and I was like do you know what? It is that simple. I mean, of course, there's loads of healing to do and there's loads of layers to peel back in order to be able to just make that mindset choice and then embody that. I get that there's loads of layers, but it at the stage I was in, it was just a choice of like, yeah, do I decide to worry about what my cellulite looks like in the sun or do I actually want to live my life and, and enjoy myself? So I love totally. Before, Sometimes it can be as simple as that, you know, just like yeah. a right, right. Yeah. yeah, because we can be so in 
the small condensed world of what we've been trying to fit into our whole lives, when we break free from that and allow ourselves to shine and be seen, sometimes old triggers will pull us back to try and be small again and be safe. But actually, it's not safe. We just think we're safe. And as you know, we're going to get judged anyway. So you may as well get judged being you and shining your light and having it, having a good that time. That feels exactly that feels good. That feels better. You're in your joy. You're in your alignment. Exactly yeah. that. So before I would love you to share about your book, I just have like one thing I'd like you to speak to. I know we've not got yeah. much time left, but weight gain is a big thing for me and my clients. Not everybody who goes on a food freedom journey gains weight. Some clients lose weight. It, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. But if you had a client come to you and maybe they'd given up dieting and they were restricting very often. So therefore it, they probably were more likely to gain some weight in their food freedom journey. How would you encourage them to see that as a positive or how would you encourage them to like love that even if their conscious mind hated that it's a really good question it's a really good question um I think my first thing would be of noticing where where do they feel more energy and you know if they're doing their food freedom journey and they're not restricting they're not going to where they were of how are they note like okay in their conscious mind is like yeah but you're gaining weight and I hate this Hmm. where could they go in their process of, because what they are doing mentally is freeing up energy and freeing up choices. Hmm. And, and so going, noticing where, like, how does that show up and impact you in your life? You know, where are you maybe showing up more graciously in your relationships? Where are you having more spaciousness of understanding for yourself, for others? Whereas just having more choice around food, more options, feeling really fun and really free and really enjoyable. And I would be having them every day actively celebrating those wins. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's easy, you know, when we're on our healing journey and growth journey, which is not linear, um, but we want to think it's linear. And so then when we have bumps along the way, we then judge ourselves or, you know, can go in that cycle. But I see those as actually beautiful signs of, oh, the next layer is ready to be looked at. But Mm -hmm. it's also easy. Our minds are often wired to look at what's not working, right? And so in this example, it's like, oh, the weight gain, it's not working. It's, And so we need to be active to help to shift the story that we're primarily focusing on. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge fan of celebrations. I celebrate with all of my clients because we tend to not celebrate, acknowledge our small wins. We are on to the next thing, we're on to Mm -hmm. the next thing. And so, especially if somebody's in a cycle like that, I don't necessarily have people celebrate every day, but in that example, I I would be having them start with celebrating every day and sharing it with, if they were a client, I would have them share with me. And if if they're not client, share it with maybe if you are working with support, with your support, or maybe a dear trusted friend or a family or loved one. And if you don't feel safe with that, write it in your journal, write it somewhere, you know, so it's also, it's not just here, but you're being really purposeful in your celebration. I think it's really powerful to receive appreciation from others when we celebrate something, but celebrate Mm -hmm. the small win of, oh, I felt so much more. I had so much more energy today because my mind wasn't so wired and stressed about what I was going to eat or not eat, or I notice because I didn't have so much anxiety or agitation or frustration from restricting what I was eating that I was actually more gracious with my partner. I wasn't as harsh with them. And those are actually really big celebrations. 
Um, and so you're starting to also support in the rewiring of helping your brain look more quickly towards what's working versus only focusing on what's not working. Yes. And gaining weight isn't even a bad thing. We just it's think not. it's the worst thing in the whole entire world and I'd rather die. Yeah. Yes. But it's not. And when we can change our story around that, and there's many layers to that, of course, because of the, the conditioning, it doesn't matter. And then it can be like, I've gained weight and... And then after you've gone through, I've gained weight and like you beautifully shared, and I was amazing with my partner and I now live in freedom, but the gain weight and won't be there because the gaining weight isn't a bad thing anyway. So it just is. And you celebrate everything that you've gained throughout the process. So. Yes. I love that. Yeah. 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 Cause you're gain. Yeah. I love that. You're, like you're celebrating everything you've gained in the process, which is so much more. Yeah. So and much we, more than a number on a scale. Exactly. And so our bodies change. Our bodies yeah. change anyway. I mean, oh yeah. my goodness, our bodies change anyway. So let's just let go of the control and embrace every day as we are. So yeah. Emily, you have wrote a book. I'm so freaking Thank happy you. for you. Please share with you. what it's Thank about. You. Yeah, so my book is Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. Um, I don't know when this will be live, but it'll be out April 21st of 2022. And I am so excited about it. So I share in it, it's, it's readers, a lot of my own personal story, I kind of juxtapose myself as a, as a um, case study, but I share my seven step process that I use with clients um, that really will support readers. And in every chapter ends with a practice. Um, so that are, that's cumulative. So as you read through the book, you're really learning these deeper embodiment practices and, um, the intention with, with the book is to really support readers and busting, not only first getting clear on some of the limiting beliefs that are really holding them back, but also like busting and moving through them, not just from, you know, the mental standpoint, but also looking physically through the body and energetically. So I'm bringing together mentally, the mental realm, the limiting beliefs and affirmations, um, as well as the physical body. There's a little bit of anatomy in the book. We talk about how to sit in natural alignment. We talk about the psoas muscles. Um, but then we also bringing in the energetic component of learning these different energetic centers of our bodies that all is supporting us in developing and cultivating a new relationship with our body and really learning to celebrate our body exactly as, as it is exactly as it moves in this moment or doesn't want to move, um, whatever is, is currently present, but to get the, the book gives readers the tools to, be able to notice more quickly when maybe they're going down a loop that isn't supportive of them and how can we shift that how can we pause that to move the needle more and more into towards acceptance and love um amazing yes. so i will get this will be out around the time that your book is being launched so of course i will ask Perfect you for the link so they can go and yeah. go ahead and, and purchase that how can people work with you and, and what do you offer in terms of working with women around body image and yeah. so my website's wishallwellness.com so it's w-i-s-h-a-l-l and then wellness.com so you can go there to check out you know my work um, I have a 12-week group coaching program for women it's called body love it's 12 weeks to happiness and confidence in your own skin um, I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching for, for women. I do have a limited um, number of private clients that I take on at a time, um, but that's for, for women who are needing, you know, and desiring a higher level of, of support. 
Um, but Body Love is a container. It's kept to 10 women at a time. So you're in the same cohort. So it's also, it's really, I think in this conversation, I found it to be really healing. The more we are in community where we're talking about our body and image and to be in that container with the same women. Um, so community is a huge aspect of that group coaching work as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Emily. And can before we say goodbye, can we just acknowledge the fact you've got a poll behind you for? Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's not well, just like a structural piece in my in my place. And you um, do you pole dance or do you? What do you do on there? Yes. Yeah, so um, I was actually sharing Victoria when we started. I actually find what I use this poll for more often than you know pole dancing or anything is. Um, since this is where my, I'm at my home office, my desk is, is when I get up to go pee or anytime I always take 30 seconds to a minute and I stretch on it, I do my little, like opening my chest. I open up my hips. I have like the world's best mm -hmm. forward fold. You can do on a pull because you get traction of your spine um and i do i do a form of, of dance called sensual um sensual embodied dance and it's not choreographed you know we sometimes will learn we do learn pull tricks to give our body more vocabulary if your body wants to move with the pull more um but i find personally in that dance my body just likes something to push and pull against like that feels really yummy to me and it actually helps me having that you know, that pull, which is that linear structure support helps my body find more fluidity, find more juiciness. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I wiggle around and move around on it more than I'm doing your standard pole dancing tricks. Yeah. I love it. Oh, thank you so much, Emily, for your time and your wisdom. And honest to God, this hour has, I don't think I've ever been in a presence of a person where the hour has gone so fast. It's gone so fast. Thank you, Victoria, for having me. I'm so grateful. I really, yeah, enjoyed this conversation. Enjoyed getting to connect with you. And yeah, thanks for asking about my poll. Of course, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't ignore the fact like. I'm it's right there. <laughs> and go and check out YouTube if you want to see. So thank you yeah. listeners for listening. Thank you, YouTube watchers. Emily, thank you for your time. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. I hope this episode was everything you needed to hear today and more. If you love this podcast, then please screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me at Victoria Kleinsman so I can share you with my audience and we can get my podcast out to more women that need it. Also, I'd be super duper grateful if you could rate and review this podcast as it really does help others to find it. Thank you so, so much in advance and I'll see you on the next one.